Welcome back to the Enriched Podcast. As always, I'm Alex, your Jack of All Trades mentor. And today I have Jalissa Lee, who is the founder and CEO of the Modern Luxury Lounge, a personal branding and PR company for high level entrepreneurs wanting to create an impactful brand supported by features and publications like Forbes and Business Insider. Now also, and this is what I'm so excited to talk about today, an NFT ambassador promoting industry leading projects and focusing on diversifying the community by bringing more women into web. So welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited. You are so welcome. So tell us, how did you get here? What exactly is it that you do? And just give us all the details. Yeah. So for my personal brand, I do um, NFTs and ambassadorship. So that's super exciting because NFT is such a new field. Um, and it's just, there's so many utility and ways to use it that people in business are starting to realize this is a way I can tap into my business. And then for um, my business that I own is um, what you mentioned before, it's a personal branding uh, PR agency uh, for high-level entrepreneurs who want to grow beyond just their business brand. They want to have an influence with a name of their own, kind of like what you have, right? And kind of inspire other people with just the conversations that they have every single day. I mean, if you can imagine if we can tap into those conversations, we're able to learn so much more than what we just what we can learn from books or just school. Absolutely. I Everyone, all of my listeners know, like, this is the home for high level conversations. We peel back the curtains. So Mm -hmm. I want to start with branding because I want to get into NFTs and like, I, you guys know I am, this is not my zone of genius. So I'm so excited to have you here to really go into all of that, but let's talk about branding first and foremost. So how did you, how did you start your business? What, what is the why behind what made you not only launch this luxury why luxury high-end brands first and foremost I have so many questions <laughs> yeah no my life has been kind of a roller coaster but I've always been very attracted to luxury because I came from a pretty pretty well-off kit family and um, my dad actually passed when I was five years old so we got relocated my whole life changed because we kind of got kicked out of the family so for me I've always I've been up in the very highest high and then the very lowest low so for me I've always wanted to get back to that point of luxury living and that lifestyle and give that back to my mom because I feel like that's what she really deserved. Um, so I was always really attracted to that. I would never buy things unless I saved up all my money for something that's very high end. But in my mind, I'm always like trying to understand and justify why is this product looks exactly like the same as you know what you would see on Amazon, but you're it's triple or even quadruple the price and people are still paying for it. So I've always been really attracted to high end things. And I worked in a lot of luxury brands one which is uh, in New York right after high school that was owned by Procter & Gamble. And to me, I realized it's not just about the material or, um, I mean, marketing is obviously a big part of it, but it's a psychology, how you connect with people and what do you understand from that person? How can you customize it for them where they can justify that this is the price that it deserves? So that's when I really got into psychology it's all about connection relationships um building that feeling that that person feels very like i need to have this thing so i went back to school for business and clinical psychology and consumer psychology and have a degree in that and that's how i really got into um Actually, I really wanted to go into psychology as, as a psychologist, but because the pandemic happened, everything changed and I started my business and the, uh, the first couple months it started thriving. I was like, oh, wow, wow this is like a, there's a need in, into this. And I just never went back to school. I literally dropped out of my PhD program. So that's how I got uh, started. And then uh, utilizing everything I've learned, it's just, you know, luxury really focuses not on the status or material, um, but actually on the relationship, the connections that I'm able to build, going to events and getting connected with the right people and getting access. That's a huge luxury to me is getting access to things because it doesn't matter how much money you have, but you, if you don't have the right relationship to get access to things. I don't think I would be where I am today having the high-end clients that I do that are able to pay, um, you know, five figures where other people are charging maybe three. So for me, it's really the right people and opening up yourself to different opportunities. Absolutely. You, we actually have a very similar story. So I, I'm like, I'm so fascinated 
it's part of the reason why I love having a podcast because you get to mm-hmm. hear how similar people, similar life stories build this need for luxury or curation or whatever. You know, when, when mm-hmm. I started the Enriched Members Club, it was all about this curated experience of exactly what you're talking about, relationships, mm-hmm. having everything at, at your fingertips and realizing that you can have so much power in in those, that cultivation of the relationships. It's not about, it's not necessarily about who, you know, right. And I think mm-hmm. I saw this on one of your Instagram posts, you yeah. know, it's about knowing when to tap into, when to tap into those relationships. Mm-hmm. And so one of the, one of your posts that I would love to dive a little bit deeper into is this is what you learned from over hundred, a hundred thousand dollars in investments. Mm-hmm. And really knowing like how to brand yourself from the very beginning, the difference between a coach versus a consultant and the difference between, and the freedom that it creates when you get it right. Yeah. That's to me a conversation that I've been having a lot. So can you dive a little bit deeper into that and into the psychology behind both the relationships and the brand that you create along the way? Yeah, that's also all about understanding who you are and also who your audience is and who do you want to serve and what your business model is. Because I think a lot of people uh, since pandemic, a lot of people just became coaches, right? A lot of, all of a sudden, everyone's an expert in something, which is really yep. funny. And that really turned me off into um, not wanting to be a coach or not even associating with uh, being a coach because I personally have been scammed by a few coaches. And I was like, you know what? Everyone says they, they're a coach, but they're just really good at selling or marketing. And so, so for me, I've noticed there are some people that are still really good at coaching, but their uh, desire is to spend time with people one-on-one all the time um, and, and nurturing and having that consistency. For me, I after I worked in New York and being in the hustle bustle, I was like, what can I do to make money even when I'm not around? Um, because I've been in a position where when I was sick, I couldn't make money and I didn't want any of that. And that's how I got into crypto as well that we can t- uh, talk about later on. And that's how I really started constructing my business around my lifestyle. Cause a lot of people chase after money. And then that's like the old school luxury that we talk about, but the, the newer luxury that millennials and Gen Z really care about is how can I have a happy lifestyle, health, healthy mentality while building a, a, a kind of like a career around it. So for me, I know the thing that I want to do? And then how can I charge a very high end price that people can justify for it? And that's delivering a white glove experience um, at a, at an agency style. So instead of uh, doing coaching, I would package everything into a very high end, um, more, more like a handholding kind of thing. But then at, le- at least it's something that I don't have to be there consistently in order for my clients to reap the rewards. And I actually saw better results for it because now um, the model is, that you give me um, the the info that you want to put out, I package it for you and give it back to you. And then we have this relationship um, where it's ongoing. I can be the consultant, but it's not as much as like, hey, I'm a coach. I'm going to teach you how to do it. You're on your own. So it's really up to how everyone wants to structure their model. But either way is that if you can tap into the psychology and the motions of what that person really want and what that result is, is, and it's always deeper than the problem that's on the surface. If you can really tap into that, they're everyone, like they are willing to pay that high uh, price point. Absolutely. So what would you say to someone who, and I know you just said you're not a coach. I, I, it's so funny because I just had this Instagram post that was like, I never wanted to be a teacher, right? I never wanted to do any of that, that those things, but somehow, like you said, during the pandemic, everyone became coaches and everyone said, oh, because I had one life experience, it means that I can teach others to do the same. That's not what that, no, that's, that's not what, what it means. The scariest thing when I heard is like when people that are like doing something in psychology, like, uh, because I have a psychology background. So when I go and assist or anything, it's like, you need a lot of credential because you're, you're dealing with someone's life or death, right? Even though it's just the mind. And I just see these coaches doing like anxiety or whatever without any training at all. And I'm like, oh my God, you're literally messing with someone's life. I know. I know all the, the influx of trauma, you know, working with trauma and all of those things when no, when you don't have the background, I I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm right there mm-hmm. with you. I did the same thing. So I actually went to school for, I was pre-med and my, my focus was in trauma, all that. So mm-hmm. 
Totally agree. So for, for the listeners who are right on that edge of moving towards more of that white glove, that higher level, that luxury from the scarcity and lack space that is the, maybe, you know, they've charged a thousand dollars for the coaching service or whatever, but now they want to create a new level of experience. What would your advice be to them as they move into that space? Yeah. The first thing is to understand what, how does that align with your business? Because it's, I see this all the time when someone want to tap into a new space or a new audience, they want to completely start fresh, start a new Instagram, start a new website, and just, Hey, I'm a brand new self that actually loses a lot of credibility because we, we, a lot of people pivot, a lot of people grow. It's understandable. The people that are loyal to you, which is why it's so important to be, have a personal brand to get in front of your brand because people attach to people, not things. Right. Right. So when a thing actually changes, then you're like, okay, that's weird. But when a person is growing, the people who are your fan, they're going to follow you. Um, and so the first thing I would always say is just stick to your things. Don't feel weird about pivoting or growing because it's it's normal. You don't have to start fresh. You don't have to start a new Instagram or start a new um, whole business because you feel like you want to tap into something. Just start to uh, integrate and start talking about it more. And the other thing is to really start um, thinking about a new brand strategy. So that doesn't mean a new logo or a new aesthetics. That's only 5% of a brand. Um, it's a huge misconception in branding. Uh, it's actually knowing your messaging and also your audience. What I talk about all the time, your brand, the success of your brand is understanding very comprehensively what your audience want, who they are. So if you want to upgrade your pricing, now you're tapping into a different audience. What do they do? How do they think? What are their biggest pain point? And when I talk about a target audience, people always think about a group, but think about that one perfect person that you want to help because that one perfect person will attract a more people like them. You don't want to think about a group of, you know, 50 to 60, like that's way too broad, just that one person, but really think about what is their, the stage that they're at, not just the demographics. Cause when I ask a lot of people, they're like, oh, they're probably doing this job and blah, blah, blah. That doesn't matter because they could be doing a million different things, but still dealing with the same stage of problem, whether it's facing a uh, fear or anxiety or whatever it is. You know, it's thinking about what is the stage that the, their pain points, what is their desires, and um, how can you fill in that gap for them? Because if you can fill in the psychology of what they're feeling in terms of emotions and connect with them on an emotional basis, um, you're bypassing their logical brain where they're like trying to justify why should I pay for this? There's so many other things. You're emotionally attached to them where they feel like if I don't have this thing, my life is going to be stagnant. And that's where you want them to. To be at. So how do you, how do you, when you're writing copy, so mm -hmm. this audience loves like the how to like, okay. Mm -hmm. So when you're writing copy, how do you speak to emotions? Yeah, I would always, um, well, now I have someone to do my content for me, but uh, I always have this brand strategy guideline that all like my whole team will have because whoever they talk to, it needs to be the same exact language because you talking to your mom or it's going to be different from your grandma, from your spouse, right? You don't use the same language. So you really want to think about that one person when you're creating content, you're exactly like that person's across from you, like you are right now with me and I'm talking to you. And then I want to talk to you about your pain points, like interviewing you and don't be afraid to just ask that one person you really want to cater to, whether that's your friend or your, um, you know, someone that you learn from your mentor to just have a, a one hour's conversation where you sit down and actually interview them. But mo what's more important is not just what they say is seeing um, maybe their social media or uh, asking other people to see if that uh if that information actually lines up because someone might tell you their favorite show is this cooking show just because they want that uh, image to be perceived that way. But if you look at the likes on the accounts of their Instagram, I mean, the little bit of stalking of the groups that they're in, you're like, oh, they're really into trashy reality show or <laughs> whatever. Yeah. And you're like, okay, that's actually what they really desire, what they want. So a lot of times when you get to know your audience, it's not just depending on what they say, it's what they don't say um, at the time. That's even more important. Love that. I love that. So Let's talk about pivoting a little bit because I want to get into the crypto conversation. Yeah. 
Crypto, before we press record, you said to me, like, this is where, this is where everything is going, right? The crypto Mm -hmm. is what's coming next. So, so first and foremost, for someone that is, as I called myself, I'll be totally transparent, like crypto and NFT negligence. I know nothing, nothing about it. Yeah. How do we, how do we marry the entrepreneurial coaching world with that? What is an NFT Tell, tell me all the things. Yeah. So I've been invested in crypto since 2015. Um, and it's something that I've, I've always done, but it's not part of my business. So I don't talk about it. And so now this year, really focus on my personal brand beyond my business. Now that I can be a little bit more hands off um, is just educating a lot of women investors. That's kind of my goal is to bring in more women investor. Cause right now there's only 16% in the whole like crypto field, which is so little. So any crypto events or NFT events, it's dominated by male because they're a little bit timid about like what this is. Like you're saying, I have no idea what it is, but I hear it all the time. Um, so that's one of the reasons why I got into crypto and really started branding um, and doing things more publicly about it. And it's literally where we're heading because everyone wants to um, have more transparency, more authenticity. And that's what crypto and uh, NFT really brings because there's smart contracts. There's um, a lot of things where everything you see is on uh, online. It's searchable. It's not something like, for example, the bank, you give them your money and then they'll take it and give it to someone else, lend it. That's what the credit card is or a bond for a government. So you don't really know if everybody in this world right now wants to withdraw money from their bank, only 3% of the people can actually get all their money back. So that's a lot, right? Versus decentralized finance, you can actually see the pool of money, what's happening, what's going in and out. So it's uh, governed by algorithm, not by people and uh, organizations where you don't really know what's behind the scenes. And then the NFT, it's not, it stands for non-fungible token. So for example, money is fungible. Um, you give me a hundred dollars, I can give you a hundred of ones. That's still fungible, that's uh, exchangeable. Non-fungible, it's like you and I, there's only one copy of me in the world. There's only one copy of you in the world. Um, so now everybody who owns this NFT is having one unique piece from the project that nobody else has. And within that NFT project, you can have a lot of utility. And this is something I've been really thinking about. How can I give that to my um, clients as well, like entrepreneurs who have a lot of knowledge and people really want to learn from? Every single project is really different on, in their utility. So when you're buying an NFT, you're essentially buying a share into a project. And within that share that you hold, you also get utilities, whether it's private events, private access to things, whether it's traveling, whatever it is, you're having a membership to a club, essentially. And for some project that I've been working with, um, one of them being a business uh, ape uh, called Bapes, it's um, almost they're using NFT as a uh, dividend baron token. So anybody who buys a NFT, they're buying a share within the investment that they're going to make in metaverse and whatever they make in return from the metaverse, uh, whether it's, you know, stores that they're building in the in the mall that we have or residential spaces, we actually get the money back and we can always access those money uh, anytime we want. So there's so many different ways of uh, utilizing NFT and I can just see businesses start integrating themselves. And I think the next step is personal brands like you and I to integrate that into um, our brands as well. So how, how do we do that? I mean, I, it's, Everything that you're saying, I just had a client who was in Dubai for a crypto conference and she just got back maybe a week or two ago. She's like, I need to create NFTs and all of this other, how, what, 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 what does that mean for brands like me and you who have a following, you know, Mm -hmm. obviously, you know, you have your, you have your, um, your branding and PR agency. You talk about getting into places like Forbes and, and all of that. I have, you know, Enriched Members Club. It is a virtual members club already. Mm-hmm. How do we marry what we are already doing yeah. with NFTs? 
Yeah. So that's what I have always been thinking about. How can we make it into something that is very exclusive for business owners, entrepreneurs, or you and I who already have a following? Um, so for you, similarly, maybe you're now you're integrating your whole, um, you know, membership, your community into the NFT. So if you were to buy a share now thinking about the who, uh, people who bought an NFT from you, um, now they have a, a VIP access to something that they won't have an access to when they're in the regular community, whether it's a one-on-one with you or a private member uh, sessions for people who only bought the NFT. And maybe you guys have like an in-person event eventually where you guys, um, whoever has the NFT will have exclusive access to that uh, retreat or something. So there's so many different ways. Maybe they get the first access to the book that you're releasing before even released to anybody else. So it's up to you how how you want to structure it. So for example, um, one of my uh, client, he owns this hotel that uh, is, it's a smart hotel. So what he's doing is that anybody buys into his NFT will get an access um, to a room for free, for example, and private events with angel investors um, and masterminds that are very exclusive for NFT holders only. So you can't just come into the hotel and be a guest and actually enter that. You have to be an NFT holder. That is brilliant. You just, I'm sure you're watching like light bulbs go off in my head right now. Yeah, I can see your eyes just like, oh, okay. Like, okay, I love you. She's like, you know what? We can just shut down this podcast. Let me just go brainstorm. I know. I'm like, okay, how can I sign up and be a client and figure out how to get this done? So yeah, do you actually, do you teach people how to create these, these and, and integrate it into their business? So my partner and I, um, like, again, I don't, uh, I don't really do the coaching kind of, uh, model where I teach people right. how to do it. I actually do it for people. So my partner and I have a, a company, a NFT company that we're launching where we do all the branding, marketing, and PR, because that really govern that kind of predicts the success of a NFT project. Um, because it's, it's how do you differentiate yourself from other people who's already out there doing the same thing, which is the brand, the marketing, how do we funnel a lot of people into the community before we even launch to make sure it sells out. Uh, and then the PR is how can we establish your credibility and authority in a very well-established publication so that you're not just a scam project that a lot of people are uh, have done before. So we do, we do have a company where we launch from A to Z for you. Um, in terms of front end and then the back end work is obviously you need to get someone who is really good at coding um who is really good at uh, writing smart contract because all of these things are in a, a written contract so then when that's why I really like it because it's really fair. It's based on algorithms, based on a computerized system. So there's no one that can go in there and do something weird or sketchy. You know, once right. it's done, it's done. Everybody can see it. it's very uh, transparent. That's awesome. So how I have so many questions. I'm like, I don't even know what to, I don't <laughs> even know. What yeah. I love so, it. so the crypto world is obviously very, it's separate, but it's very, um, intertwined with the entrepreneurial space. So mm -hmm. when you're launching these, these NFTs and these brands for people that already have an established audience, is there an entire different crypto audience that they can tap into? Like, how do you, how do you find success to make sure that when you do it from A to Z, it's, it's in addition to what the brands that we're already building? Yeah. So I think for business owners where, where those are a lot of the projects that I work in, you're actually tapping into your audience that you already have. So you wouldn't mm -hmm. be tapping into crypto or NFT. Obviously with NFT, it depends on how you want to structure your uh, project. If it's an NF, more of an NFT project, um, people are expecting a certain rules and certain you know things. And then for business, um, if you're doing it in a business way, you have to be very clear um, how your your NFT project is structured. So it's going to be a little bit different by than just buying a photo um, with a little with a community. 
yours is going to be a little bit more uh, structure around your business. So you're tapping into the audience you already have because people that are in crypto, it's as much as people think it's the same NFT and crypto audience is a little bit different, even though the structure of NFT is like you, in order to buy one, you have to have uh, crypto, but the people that they invest in are actually kind of separate. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. So how do people get started in this space? Like if you're yeah. interested, if you're interested and intrigued from this conversation, first and foremost, what else do entrepreneurs need to know about crypto and getting into this world? And then secondly, like how, how do you get started? Yeah. So I am doing a lot of, uh, crypto and NFT conversations happen on Twitter, which is really interesting. Twitter is some, uh, is one platform that I never was interested in. And I was like, why would I ever want to post one sentence of like what I'm doing? Um, <laughs> and then NFT started and, um, it's for some reason, it just, Twitter just owned the whole, pl- um, conversation in terms of NFT, NFT and crypto. Um, now I- I'm sure if you know, uh, Twitter spaces, which is kind of like the clubhouse version, but then their own version of spaces where we have rooms and we talk about whether um, the rooms that I host is talking about like basics, like we're, what we're talking about, how to get started, what are the security measures that you should know, how to uh, measure whether it's, this is a good investment or not, how to search uh, the projects and who's behind it. So these little things, is just getting in the right community, following the right people who also host these spaces where you can just go in there and ask questions and learn more about it and build the community. Whoever's in the audience is just in exact shoes as you are. They want to learn and you, if you guys are learning together, they're there's also a lot of Discord um, communities that are focusing on helping other people. So that's some uh, that's a community that I have built around because every platform that I have serves a different purpose for a different audience. So for people who are interested in NFTs and uh, crypto, I always bring experts in my Twitter space just to help other people learn more about uh, what it is, how do I get started, how do I get started safely. Absolutely. Words cannot describe how excited I am to announce the Enrich Members Club, a luxury virtual members club for entrepreneurs and women in business. From our weekly classes featuring yoga, HIT, bar, Pilates, Reiki, breathwork, DNA upgrades, and more, to our magazine featuring monthly tarot pools for yourself and your business, human design, astrology, recipes, and nutrition plans, just to name a few, to our business calendar of events with networking, financial planning, fireside chats, leadership trainings, and more, EMC was created as an oasis for women in business who are ready to have everything they need all in one place. No more piecing together experts and searching for the answers both you and your business need. EMC aims to put the you back in your day and elevate your business like never before. For more information, visit the link in our bio and in the description of this episode. So let's talk about building. I I, want to like marry the conversations a little bit. I want to talk about building a brand. So how do you, when you when you go about starting a different platform and it, let's just say, cause I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm like, I'm not Kim Kardashian. People don't care that I'm eating a burger. <laughs> so, so for people that have not really spent a lot of time outside of Instagram or Facebook, and they want to start to get into this space, how do you go about building a new audience? How is it, is it, does it come down to the same branding or is it more about, okay, getting in front of the right people, asking the right questions, and then creating a new conversation mm-hmm. around something that people, other people aren't talking about? Yeah. So for me, I said it like in the beginning, luxury, the modern luxury, today's luxury, it's all about connections and relationships. And I always believe in partnering up. So when I'm tapping into a new platform, I always like I've, I've done this around, I think, Clubhouse, LinkedIn and uh, Twitter, and it's growing really quickly as well, is really knowing who are the people um well, first of all, your intention of this platform, like you're saying, it's not just you posting burger, right? Especially when I work with personal brands, I really interview like business owners only and I, we don't work with celebrities or, or 
influencers because, you know, their intention is usually to get a big following versus a business owner. Their intention is to make an impact with the materials and information they have. So going into a new platform, you want to think about what is the intention there? Is my intention there to talk about the same things? If if, if so, like what's going to be different uh, from, you know, Instagram and Twitter, because you, you want people to follow you, but then you want people to uh, be able to consume different um, conference, uh, com- conversations uh, and information. So for me, I knew that and uh, Twitter had a really big platform for NFT and um, crypto. So my intention was to tap into that and get a lot of women um, involved in the conversation. So I followed a lot of women. Um, the other thing to do is to know what is really hot in that platform right now. So for example, Instagram, they're really pushing out reels. They're really pushing out video formats. So you want to get on that. On Twitter, they're really pushing out Twitter spaces to kind of compete with uh Clubhouse. So instead of tweeting all the time, you want to get into spaces because those are what they're pushing. So every platform is always pushing a feature. You want to be the first one to hop on that feature and dominate because people will start to recognize your name and your face, et cetera. And then once you start regularly, consistently host, for for example, spaces, people start to follow you. People start to bring in their friends, um, other people who really like to listen to your conversation. For example, we're very aligned and then we would uh, probably partner up and in spaces and talk about things. And now we're there, you're bringing in an audience, I'm bringing in an audience. So the way to grow is finding the right person who also shares an intention with you and knowing who your audience is so that you can consistently speak to them and they keep coming back like a tuning into a regular show, like they're tuning into your podcast. I love it. I absolutely love it. So one of the conversations that we have around Enrich is building wealth and building Mm -hmm. different types of wealth. Mm -hmm. How, so obviously luxury brand, you said it in the very beginning, like it was, you were seeing people buying, buying the same thing that you could get on Amazon for three times the amount of money. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about diversifying wealth with crypto and diversifying Mm -hmm. income. How Mm -hmm. does tapping into a different type of, I mean, let's face it. A lot of people, when they think about crypto, they're like, well, it's made up money. It's not, it's not physical. Well, our physical Mm -hmm. money is, is doesn't hold the weight that it used to anyway. So So riff on that for a second. Let's talk about diversifying wealth. Yeah, like nothing in this world actually have any meaning to it unless we give it. Like the dollar is on its it's honestly just a paper, right? It's right. from tree paper, and we it doesn't have any value unless we say it is. So if you don't if you don't look at it, you don't even know if it's like a dollar or a hundred dollars, right? It's only if we decide to make a all together to have a meaning behind it, then it will. And that's why the stocks go up and down. It's really governed by people. It's not just the 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 numbers. The number represents people. And so now what everyone wants, which is why it's so funny, because Bitcoin, you know, decades ago, it's just a game, like it's a coin of game and no one took it serious. And I remember when I told my mom to invest in it and she was like, are you kidding me? I can't even, I don't know what this coin is, this coin in the air. And she invested <laughs> a little bit. And now she's like, I should have listened to you. I would have been so wealthy and well, whatever. And so that's the thing. It's like, there's things that we don't comprehend right now, but if you don't go kind of follow along and actually learn about it, you're going to be falling behind. It's I, When I explain crypto and NFT to people, it's like, remember like, oh, I mean, none of us would remember, but like when there's horses and then there's there's cars that were right. created and then people are like, I'm not getting that tin can in, in that tin can. Uh, I'm riding my horse. But then, yeah, you can ride your horse when everyone's in a car. What are you going to do? Like get there like 30 days later. It's just part of the, the, the society evolution that we're always a part of. A lot of us won't understand for example, I don't completely comprehend uh, meta- metaverse, but I could see big companies like Nike's, Adidas, who are investing millions into it. So I know there's a potential into that virtual reality that a lot of us won't understand. Um, and then in terms of diversifying income, that's really funny when you're ta- uh, telling me about that, because my mom always talk about like how I am the queen of just shaking down everything. 
<laughs> like taking down people. And she's like, you can just, I mean, once you have a personal brand, people believe in you. You can make deals off of anything. You, there's yeah. no limit. There's not, it's not a company where you solve only one solution. When you're a personal brand, you can get paid to get, you know, on to podcasts or speaking engagement events on stages. Or, I mean, those are diversifying your income, not just having one thing that you depend on. Maybe you write a book. That's another income. When you're doing crypto, that's another income. When I uh, stake my crypto, that's basically um, a, de a decentralized finance, what I talked about uh, with you earlier. Some people just want to be hands off. When you're first learning, which is something that's great for you um, and your audience who are not, uh, you know, doesn't have the time to just sit in front of the computer and trade all day, but they still want to tap into crypto and actually do it in the passive income way. It's a really good thing to look into decentralized finance or DeFi. It's essentially a lot of people are moving their money out of centralized finance, which is the banks that we know, Chase, Wells Fargo, whatever, um, because when you put your money in there, you get uh, interest rate of 0.01%. So you get a penny back, maybe, and then uh, a year later of, you know, giving them your money. And then with decentralized finance, because we have this pool of a uh, huge pool of funds and everyone's borrowing, lending, all the time staking and farming, those are all a little more. Um, or, you know, vocabulary you'll kind of get into once you get into uh, decentralized finance. But we put money aside there. They're actually rewarding you 20%. And that's the lease, right? And so imagine 20% versus 0.01 .01 interest. That's, I mean, a year later, you're earning money on just by putting your money aside. So, you know, there's so many other ways of making money if you're if you want to be more active is obviously maybe trading or uh, moving money from one end to another. Building wealth is not about knowing how to make money, but how to manage money, how to move things around, how to uh, put things in different buckets where they're going to earn you more money than you just putting one in, in a single bucket, if that makes sense. And so I think I always encourage people to build their personal brand, build their, their uh, become your own asset because there's so many different ways to make money once people know about you and people trust you. They're going to want your services or they just want people that are involved in you or in the things that you're currently involved in. I am like bowing down over here when you guys see are able to actually see this conversation. You're going to see I'm like, yes, I'm, I'm shaking my head because it's so true. I mean, I think that we sometimes fall into the trap. We see the the big numbers that show up all over Instagram, right? Like the hundred K months or whatever. Yeah. And we're looking at the Rolls Royces. We're looking at the G wagons, mm -hmm. but when it comes down to it, a hundred K month is great, but what do you do with that? How do exactly. you, how do you let that? I talk about circulation of money all the time. That's great to receive it once, but if you don't mm -hmm. have it work for you, if mm -hmm. you don't look past the, 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 you know, big numbers and the, the smoke screen of, okay, mm -hmm. we, we're making this money that's, but, but what is the purpose? to yeah. get you the G wagon, to get you the big house to the, the purpose. Isn't that the purpose is to build true generational wealth. And that mm -hmm. comes from diversifying the, the money that you bring in. And so yeah. this, this conversation is so important because it, it ignites people to just take the leap. You don't have to understand you said it. Mm -hmm. And it makes me feel better that you said it. Cause you're the person that's, that's helping people do it. Like you don't yeah. have to understand 100% of, you don't have to understand it hundred percent, but mm -hmm. what you do have to do is take the leap and do the scary thing. And guys, we're all business owners. We literally, we measure our, we measure, I always teach my clients to measure success by how many times they fail and how many times they jump. This is something you, you need to take the leap because if you don't, you're going to look at like, you're going to be like your mom, literally my fiance this morning, we were talking about, um, he had invested in, in Bitcoin a little bit ago and we just sold our house and he was like, should I invest like 50 grand into Bitcoin? I'm like, you bought it for what was it? $200 a couple of years ago. Now you want to, you know, invest $50,000 and in I think it this morning was $4,700 for a share or whatever it's called in, in the Bitcoin universe. Yeah. It's like, it's just, it, invest it in something else, invest it in, invest it into something where your return on investment long-term can be 
that much greater, but seriously, like very, 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 very few. I know I'm going on one of my rants, but like very few people in the entrepreneurial space are willing to make that jump into diversification Mm -hmm. into things that they don't know. Yeah. And people want instant gratification. Like, honestly, that's the saddest thing that I always see in new money is, um, just noticing because my, my, my family is a little bit more old money, but when I see like new money, the, the first thing you can see, it's like the Lambo, the flashy chains that they have. And these things, you know, I lived, I went from a five bedroom house in California to Las Vegas in a one bedroom apartment. And I spent all my money and all the things that I make into investing in, in crypto and uh, all of these things. And I would, I'm a very minimalist person. So I only buy one of each unless I absolutely need it. And when I buy something it's to replace something. It's not just to add it into my collection because to me, like a Cartier bracelet is great, is, is great. Um, but if I can invest in the stock or invest in crypto and maybe like a year later, I can buy 10 more of those bracelets. So it's people that is understanding the difference between, do I really need this now? Or can I put this money later and get 10, 10, you know, uh, 10 X of one thing, um, because a lot of people, I think now, I mean, that's how the society is built. They really want to push you to buy things, buy things, buy things. Um, but if you can have the self-discipline to understand and actually map out this plan and look at when, if I buy this thing now or buy the stock of this thing, how much can I actually get in a year later? Because a year later, yeah, you can sell, sell the Cartier and it holds its value. Um, but that's $7,000 versus if you were to have $70,000, that's a big difference. It's a huge difference. And we definitely live in a world right now where even, I mean, entrepreneurs are gauging their success by the cars that they drive by mm-hmm. all by the, like you said, the Cartier bracelet or the, mm-hmm. which is so funny. Cause I'm wearing a Cartier ring, which I did not buy. By the way. <laughs> I mean, like, let's be real. It's okay to yeah. spoil yourself, but I'm yeah. just saying delay it, you know, make the money first and then buy whatever you want. You, if you can't afford that thing that you want to buy with, uh, and, and you can buy it three times right now, like three of that one thing, then don't buy it. You don't have enough money. I That's always, like I, one, 100,000%, like I always say rule of 10%. Like if it's, if you don't have if you're going to buy the car and you can't buy it with 10% of the money that you have, mm-hmm. that will not impact your future investments. Yeah. Don't do it. Like, yeah. And I always not- tell people, who are you trying to impress? Because at the end of the day, a lot of us is when I study luxury brands, right? If a, a lot of women love Louis Vuitton, the red bottom shoes that we all know of, but if you're in a different country who doesn't even know what red bottoms are, are you still going to buy it? A lot of people say no, because it's a status thing. So the people that you impress, I always tell my mom, because she loves luxury stuff. And the people that you really impress that you see maybe once or twice, maybe, oh, especially family members, God forbid, um, you see these people, but then you're just asking the one question I always ask people to ask themselves is, are they paying your bills? Because if not, why are you, do you care about impressing them? Because at the end of the day, you, you sit down with your bills. You're the person who's responsible for it. So it doesn't matter how glamorized your life looks, how other people admire you. But if you can't handle your own uh, responsibilities and bills to get by, who, why does it really matter? Completely, completely. Like I'm selling my car to because I Uber everywhere. I'm like, who cares what car I have? Like they're not paying my car bills. <laughs> it's so true. I mean, I just was in a um a couple of months ago. I was in an accident. And my car was total was totaled. Mm-hmm. I had just you know spent so much money on a luxury car and it was you know beautiful and all the things yeah. right. And I'm gonna go buy another car and it's not gonna be the same car it was because yeah. I can't justify spending that amount of money when. I haven't had a car payment in three months because I haven't had been able to drive. And I'm like, you know what? I'm putting so much more money into my investments and into all of the things. So yeah, you can buy the whole, whole damn like car company if you really (laughs) want to after the investment, you know, go be Warren Buffett. Um, But I always, yeah, like we, we don't realize how many things that we've been kind of subconsciously talked into that we need to have that we really don't. Um, Once I didn't really uh, have a car, like I, I Uber everywhere where like, I don't even go out. So I'm like, why do I even need a car? Um, but when I do go out, I don't even like to drive. So I'm like, I'll just Uber. And the price of Ubering is way less than owning a car with the payments and uh, with insurance and everything and with the headaches too. So a lot of us, 
I always challenge, especially entrepreneurs, because the more we make, the more we want, um, is really understand what are the basic needs? What are the things that you can be very minimal and actually spend more money on relationships, um, experiences, things that actually will matter the day you die? Because the thing, the, 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 the thing is, when you do pass, you're not going to be like, oh, my God, thank God I got the G-Wagon. Like, I would not have died peacefully without it, you know, like things that you take in a grave, like really think about it. I say all the time to my clients, like close your eyes and imagine that you're, you know, a week before, like, I know it's morbid, but imagine like you're a week before your death and you're sitting with the person that matters most. Like what, what do you say when you say, I'm so glad that I did this? Is it ever about the materials or is it about, like you just said, the experiences? Is it about the Mm -hmm. people that you got to know? Did you, are you going to care about the G-Wagon or are you going to care that you took the trip to Dubai to go to that crypto conference and you Mm -hmm. met all of these new people? Like it really pay to get in the rooms, people. That's, that's why that's. Exactly. That's why, you know, EMC was created because it's a curated experience for women that are, you know, at that high level income to make, to network and have everything you need in one place. Yes. But it's more about creating a room for people to, to really be able to create that connection point. So that way you guys can just magnify your brands and and all the things. Um, Mm -hmm. not to plug EMC, but that literally this kind what we're talking about is, is why it was created because it matters more about who, you know, and And who knows you too. That's really important, which is why I always say, you know, like you're, you're talking about building generational wealth. It's all about working, you know, working smarter, not harder. So instead of you showing up every day, build a long-term brand um, that people look at it, look at it and know immediate what it is, know exactly what it is. Like you look at Chanel, you know, exactly. You're not going to go in there with $2, right? So people already know globally what it is. And that's all thinking ahead of time, like spending the money. Okay. Am I going to spend it on these clothing or cars? Or am I going to spend it back into my business? What's actually going to give me that return on the investment. And that's honestly what I talk about on on my podcast all the time is interviewing people that are really wealthy. Um, you know, whether they're six to nine or 10 figure entrepreneurs. And I always ask them like, what is your definition of luxury? And no, like you're saying before, none of them have ever said material. It's always time or relationship and the experience that they have created with the people that they've built a relationship with. So that's why, you know, if these are coming from billionaires, you know, these people like my grandfather, when he died, he was, he died uh, as a billionaire. And the only thing that he said he really wanted was another conversation with my father before he left. So that's huge coming from people who already made it and have everything that we really want to say that it wasn't the car. It wasn't the house that made them really happy, but it was actually the person that they met, the mentor that they met and the time that they spent um, doing something that actually made an impact. Oh. I'm, you are speaking my language. You are 1000%. I, it's, it's just so interesting to hear you talk about that because, you know, in the entrepreneurial space, guys, we're in our twenties, maybe early thirties. Most of us, do we really need the, you know, multi-million dollar house, the G-Wagon, all of those things, or can we get smarter about, can we get smarter about listening to the people that have gone first? Mm Mm-hmm. And most of them did not do it from an entrepreneur, entrepreneurial space. Most of them, it's very interesting. My, my family is very old money as well. And I yeah. grew up very, you know, very affluent and all of that. And my, uh-huh. the last conversation I had with my grandfather who passed away very recently was mm-hmm. about every year we would read the great Gatsby. And I oh asked him, I said, why? And mm-hmm. this man, I mean, this man literally was, he was a cardiac surgeon and he like built the cardiac equipment that went in space that still is in the space shuttles for NASA. He was wow. a major general in the air force. Like he was brilliant. The guy at yeah. 92 got a degree in Arabic because it was something he didn't know. Like one of the smartest people that yeah. I've ever met. And I said, why that book? Like we read a book every year, but why that book did, was it the book that we read every single, like around the same time every year. And he said, I wanted to teach you the difference between new and old money and how they spend their time. Mm-hmm. 
This is the last, I mean, he was 98 years old. It was one of the last conversations we ever had. And I said, well, well, why? And he said, because you are living in a new money world Mm -hmm. and I'm watching you create new money habits. And that is Mm -hmm. not who you were raised to be. Mm -hmm. And it's so stuck with me. Like it's like, I didn't really hear it when he had originally said it, but Mm -hmm. then I got home and he passed away and I was reflecting on that last conversation. And it was about, it was him teaching me to not make the snap flashy decisions. Mm -hmm. He gave me the tools that I needed to build that generational wealth. Not that my family doesn't already have it, but I've always wanted, he was like, you've always rebelled. You've always yeah. wanted to create it for yourself. Yeah. So if I wanted to create it for myself, then that yeah. meant that I needed to stop making new money decisions. Yeah, no, it's, it's a big difference and it's a whole lifestyle. It's a whole mindset too. Like for me, I always say it doesn't matter how much money I have. I'm going to always be in, in a one bedroom because that's what makes me happy. I like having little small things, little things, because that's I mean, more things is more responsibility. Why would you want more responsibility than the things you should be focusing all your um, decision-making, not on the clothes you make, the clothes you have. If you look at my closet, it's all black and white. I pick up things like it's just, you know, people always ask me like, oh, you look like you shop every day. I'm like, I literally hate shopping. I have things like just make, even making your uh, decision-making process easier every single day, whether it's the breakfast you make, prep them already, having your clothes very easily chosen for you, you know, things that you don't have to think about because the things that you want to think about are what are the things that are going to help you grow your generational wealth so that your family's taken care of, your family, family's taken care of. And those are the things that you really want to think about not like, okay, what am I going to do today to impress someone, someone that's not even going to be in my life in next year? It is. It's so true. Take it guys, take it from the person that just went from a four bedroom house, put it all in a shipping container. You are literally looking at my childhood bedroom. My fiance and I moved in with my parents while our house is getting finished. If I can go from a house to a childhood bedroom and Mm -hmm. not miss my stuff, it mm-hmm. has completely changed the way that I look at things. I'm loving this conversation. Yeah, because you're detached. You can be yes. anywhere. There's no excuses. You don't have to be a 10 bedroom mansion in order to make uh, your your living well. You know, like uh, realistically, we need what we need. Um, it's one of each to survive. It's not that hard to survive as a human. All these things are that are that they, the commercial is telling you you need to have this in order to show off. It really doesn't matter at the end of the day. No, it really doesn't. It doesn't. And yeah, I mean that I'm, I'm so glad that we had this conversation because it really, my ask for my audience, because I know the way they think is going to be to look at your why of creating money, not your why in your business, but your why of creating money and look at your spending habits and think about what you can create it with with taking the leap into things like crypto, with taking the Mm -hmm. leap into downsizing and really making it less about the, the flashy guys. I don't think any of us are sitting here. We both raised our hands and have the Cartier bracelet and the Cartier ring on. We're not saying to not do those things and not reward yourself, but it, but it also, it comes from a place of you've, you've made the money. You're still, your money's continuing to make money Mm -hmm. and you get to have the the things that you really care about. To me, for me, it's, you know, luxury and travel and all of that. For somebody else, it might be the red bottom shoes. That's mm-hmm. great if that fills your cup, but don't just make flashy decisions for Instagram. That's basically mm-hmm. what I'm getting at here. Yeah. And really have a clear vision because when I'm doing a lot of people's personal brand strategy, it's, it's very personal. And I always ask them, what is your vision? Like, what is your big vision that you want to achieve, you know, say at the end of your life? And a lot of them can't even say what it is because in school, we're never really taught to think this big picture for yourself. We're taught to be an employee, you know, uh, doing math or doing these little little things to how to be a good employee for someone else, but we never taught how to be our own CEO. So I always encourage everyone to just one, think about um, what is that big vision? Because without that big vision, you're, 
it's almost like driving a car without an end destination. You're just wasting gas trying to get to wherever you end up flowing and you don't end up anywhere because you don't really have a end destination that you want to get to. And the other thing is um, having core values. These are, again, things that are not taught in school. If you're really going to invest in relationships and connections, make sure these are people that shares the same core values as you. If not, it's someone that respects the core va- uh, your core values, because um, if there's a clash, it's not going to be because personality or um, outside situation. Most of the time, it's fundamental core values. And you want to attract the people that shares the same values as you because it builds that um, momentum of you doing great. So for example, you and I have this uh, same core value of building generational wealth. So the conversations that we have in the relationship relationship and connections that we're going to have, it's going to be way more long-term than if we build a relationship based on something on the surface level. Um, So those are the things I really uh, encourage people to think about, because even if it's a personal brand, it's honestly a personal development, but in publicly, you're documenting your process because uh, it's just a self-growth process for everybody. I want to leave the conversation on that mic drop, guys. Did you just hear what she just said? She just said, document your personal development. How many times I've said you document everything. That's what social media is supposed to be about. Yes. It's yes. not the good to be- and bad. Yes, because it's yeah. not supposed to be just because you you guys have heard me say this before, but like, just because you went through something doesn't mean that you're supposed to teach it. But if you document mm-hmm. it and you show your process and you show the good, the bad, the ugly, the, the, the crying faces, yep. just as much as you show the, you know, the, the successes accomplishments. Yeah. Oh, that, that is what creates true connection. And I learned that from the most successful personal brand people is uh, Gary V. Bradley, um, Grant Cardone, who I have personally spoken to. And uh, they said, you know, it's I'm not an expert in everything, but I all I did was document the process, document me literally going from, you know, almost billionaire to bankrupt and then back to billionaire again um, and just you already live, you're already living your life. But if you imagine someone else who looks up to you, wants to do exactly what you uh, are doing, but they're learning from the mistakes that you're making so that they don't make that same mistake again. Um, You don't have to be some kind of expert or astronaut to, to be having a personal brand to inspire other people to make an impact. Simply you documenting your life, talking about to into a camera as if you're writing into a journal. So many people will thank you for just connecting with them heart to heart beyond just uh, the, like what you're saying, the accomplishment, obviously everyone's great at looking at that, but what people really connect with is vulnerability. Oh, so true. So true. Well, the beginning of this conversation was great, but the end of it, I am like, I'm, I love having having you. you. So last question I always ask everybody is what is the one thing I know this is so cliche, but like, what's the one piece of advice that you wish that you, or that you could either what, let me rephrase for you. I'm changing up the question. I'm okay. like, this is the one question I always ask everybody for, for you. It's going to be different. Okay. Either. What is the best piece of advice you've ever received or like mm. your biggest takeaway that you've ever received from these high level conversations? Or if you could go back and tell yourself one thing mm-hmm. that you wish that you know now that you wish you knew sooner, what would it be? Mm, okay. I think they all kind of go back to the same thing because once I've heard it, my whole life kind of changed. So no matter what I've heard, I always go back to it. It it was from my French teacher in high school. um, And this is pretty popular quote. So it's not even something that like adding value. Um, It's just, you know, you can't control what happens uh, in life, but you can control your reaction to it. I mean, I feel like everyone says that one, but honestly, like the way I see it, it was just completely changed my non-attachment style before I was very stuck in stone as a person. If I want, I'm a perfectionist. When I want something, I want something to be a certain way or else I'm not going to take it at all. But the other thing, um, as I'm growing it, it always go back to this quote um, when I was teaching yoga too. Obviously we always talk about non-attachment because when you're 
you're on the mats, everyone expects like a great practice every day. And there's some days where you just don't, you can't hit the handstand. You can't hit the, the arch or the split that you want. And it's okay because you can just control. Maybe today is not the great day for me. Let's reassess. And then in business, the, the way that this quote have applied to me is that I feel like I'm a firefighter. I'm, I'm putting out fires all day. That's all I do. I'm not a CEO. I'm not a founder. I'm just a firefighter. I'm, I'm here when someone needs me to help something out. I'm putting out the fires. And to me, it's not, it's not about being stuck in a, in the past and really saying, okay, I shouldn't have done this. I could have done better in this, not thinking about the should have, could have, you know, would have thing, but actually thinking about what's the next solution that I can do from it, because this already happened. How can I, uh, control my own reaction. That's the only thing I can control. And that is looking for the right solution. While once I'm done with the solution, what can I, what are the three things I can learn from this mistake so that I don't ever um, have this happen to me again? So this is a quote that I've noticed um, because I love quotes, but I, this is the only quote that I noticed have really helped me grow as a person while it's served as an anchor, even though this quote, everyone has, you know, said it, but I feel like people say it because People are saying it, but they don't really think deep into it. Like there's so many applications to this quote. I absolutely love it. I love it. So thank you so, so much for being here. Thank you. Where can people find you? How can people work with you? Like after this conversation, I know everyone's going to be hitting you up. So basically pimp yourself out. (laughs) So funny. Pimp myself out. (laughs) Okay. If I must. Um, so yeah, so go to jlista.com. Super simple. It's just my name, J-A-Y-L-I-S-S-A.com. And it depends on where you're at. If you're a scaling entrepreneur who is more on a DIY route, you have the time to invest and you're not ready for the whole full agency yet. Um, I am coming out with a blueprint, which is a roadmap. It's not a course. It's a roadmap to getting ex- your uh, personal brand uh, started and how to monetize it so that you can builds generational wealth um, beyond just your business because your personal brand is your personal development. It's something that's never going to leave you. It's not like a business that might fail um, or anything. And then if you want something that is more high-end tailor done for you, you completely hands-off, it's also jlisses.com and we can get on a call. Fantastic. Well, it was so great to have you. Thank you so much. And I, um, Everybody that's listening, obviously go check her out. And I cannot wait to have further conversations because I'm sure we're going to. Oh, yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Enriched Podcast. I would love if you shared your breakthroughs and takeaways from today's episode with me on Instagram at the Grace Alexander so I can support you along your entrepreneurial journey. As always, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review so more women just like you can find this podcast. Also, if you haven't heard yet, we're excited to announce you can now follow the Enriched Podcast and Enriched Members Club on Instagram too, so you don't miss out on a thing.